0: this you just don't get huh lord let me know if you got us preaching about prophets it ain't no one man can stop us bow down to a goddess bow down to a goddess bow down to a goddess it ain't no one man can stop us bow down to the goddess. goddess
1: got it Hello and welcome to the Strong Women Power Hour, your podcast to encourage, energize, educate, and empower you on your path through womanhood. I'm your host and women's empowerment specialist, Kelly Hickey, director of Strong Women Co., a business devoted to empowering women to be their strongest, happiest, and healthiest selves. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram for daily inspiration. And of course, join our free Facebook tribe. I'll put the links in the show notes. And, um, uh, just want to say about, uh, the strong women co, uh, fans out there. Um, we're regrouping business wise with COVID and moving and, uh, and all that stuff. Uh, but I've got so much cool stuff, uh, just kind of in the creative, um, programs and ideas and stuff. That's fun and manifesting that I can't wait to share with everybody. So, um, this is a super special, uh, podcast episode. It's one I've been thinking of, uh, for quite some time. Um, it's, it's topic is on, uh, being a feminist father. And yes, I have interviewed my husband and baby daddy, Justin, and, uh, him and I have been talking about doing a podcast together for a long time. So it was pretty exciting and fun, uh, to do it. And, um, uh, it, it's just cool. Uh, I think you'll, you'll, you'll love Justin. I mean, he's just really, uh, lovable. And, uh, I really hope you enjoy our conversation. Um, uh, we talk about being a feminist dad, social justice, racial justice, misogyny, sexism in the workplace. We talk about, uh, raising a respectful, confi- conscientious kid, uh, parenting choices. Um, and just like living in this world, and it's, it's a pretty good and frank discussion. It's the kind of discussion that would happens all the time um, around our kitchen table or couch or whatever. Um, but there's, there's a lot of gold in there, I think, of uh, just sharing experiences. And um, I know I get a lot, of, a lot of value when I hear other people talking about parenting or just dealing with people um, in a kind of uh, more helpful Uh, ways. And I just want to give a shout out to anyone who uh, Father's Day is a little bit painful for. Um, I know there's a bunch of us out there like that. Um, And just say to give yourself a little extra love. And um, even if this is a bit of a painful day, I think you'll get some hope and uh, some inspiration. From listening to Justin and uh, everything that uh, he has to say. And he, I really do feel he's, he, he's the epitome of um, divine masculinity, non toxic masculinity. And, you know, it, 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 it's been a work in progress to get all this to happen. We have a lot to unlearn, but um, he's literally the best man I know. That's why I married him. Uh, so, uh, let me know what you think of this podcast. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, probably best way is Facebook messengers is super quick. Uh, and I just want to say there may be some odd edits, uh, cause we had to cut out curse words cause we're just so comfortable around each other. And also there was a lot going on as we, uh, we're due having this conversation. And there's also a period when Violet comes in and uh, check on us, uh, which I think you may find funny uh, or at least get a snapshot into what it's like being a parent during COVID with no childcare and still trying to work. Uh, but uh, you know, you make we make the best of it, um, and, uh, and and here we are. So I will let you uh, listen to my husband and I talking about being a feminist father, and uh, the feature song on the end is really great too. Um, can't wait to share that with you. Okay, here we go. Well, first off, I just want to say thank you, and I love you, for doing my podcast. And I am so excited, because we have been talking about this for a long time, and uh, we've been talking about doing our own podcast for a long time, (laughs) so uh, I think this is a good step in in, in the direction... Um, of that and to stop threatening it and to actually do it. Uh, but anyway, uh, I'm so excited for all the listeners to meet you um, and because uh, I, I do talk a little bit about you. I listen to every podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome, welcome, welcome to Strong Women, Strong Power. Oh, my God.
2: Strong Women Power, half an hour. ba ba
1: ba ba uh, but uh, this will definitely be, likely be an hour. Of course, I never know at the beginning of these conversations, but uh, I never talk to anyone who is short-winded.
2: <laughs> well, up? it's, uh, and I guess it all depends on our babysitter downstairs. So,
1: oh, so yes, I, the, the television. Yes, because yes. we still are in um, a total lack of childcare uh, <laughs> mode, and this is us being responsible parents. And of course, this topic is being a feminist father, feminist parenting, being a feminist dad. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there.
2: Mm-mm, happy Father's Day.
1: To all the good dads. Uh and um that are making, you know, putting the work in, making a difference. because uh, I really do think, you know, this is the generation uh besides past generations uh, and 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 uh, uh different kinds of indigenous folks in the industrial world, this is the most active fathers have ever been
2: uh, absolutely
1: in their children's lives, in their families' lives. So I think that's only good things. So uh Will you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, um, what you want them to know? And um, I may interject with a couple flattering things or two, because I do love you and are very, um, just constantly impressed by you.
2: (laughs) Well, thank you very much. Well, first off, I am honored and overjoyed to be on your amazing podcast and a part of this amazing journey um as i mentioned i listen to every episode sometimes a couple times um and uh, i love what you're doing i'm so proud of you and very honored to maybe be one of the first male voices
1: oh yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: on uh, on the strong woman power half an hour so uh, much gratitude to you for for allowing me to be a part of your your tribe and your group and uh, yeah, thank you very much. So me I am a very proud uh, father of warrior violet who is our little girl. Um m- big chunk of me is defined by that right now in my life. Um yeah, I'm a, a proud husband of a uh, independent warrior wife as well. And I, yeah, I am Currently working from home, as most people are. Um, My job is actually in the Netherlands, and I'm home just on a little pit stop to do some housework and uh, pack up our lives, uh, take two to move. So yeah, I guess that's a bit about me. Where are you
1: from? What did you do in school? Oh,
2: good idea. Yeah, thank you. So I am from a little town called Clarks Beach. It's uh, around the bay and. Newfoundland, about an hour outside of St. John's. I went to Memorial University, studied geophysics. Um, Yeah, traveled the globe, uh, doing exploration work, oil and gas work. Um, Transitioned out of the oil and gas back in 2013, 2012, 2013. Went into green energy work and, uh, you know, we sort of made it a family goal to try to do as much for mother earth as possible and uh been fortunate and blessed enough there's been some uh, up and downs of course with the with the boom bust economy but i've been fortunate enough to be able to be focused 90 to 95 percent of my uh, professional career right now in uh, in the green energy sector more so in uh offshore wind farms from you know, all over Europe, uh, to Taiwan, to the United States. So it's been, it's been very interesting.
1: Very cool. When, when did you realize that you were a feminist?
2: Ah, oh, that's a great question. Um, well, like, <laughs> pretty much meeting you, um, you were like the, uh, the emperor has no clothes. Uh, yeah, you really challenged me. And I think internally... I was always a feminist. Like I always, you know, my single mom and single dad raised me. Um, so basically with my mom for a while and my dad for a while, um, you know, and always had much respect, but basically for everybody. And I think that's what breaks it down is that, I don't know, man, like it's about the, it's about just equality and allowing, giving people space to to share their experiences and stories and allowing them to see their experiences and stories, whether on the TV or the radio. And I always just thought that made sense. And then after, of course, meeting you and being challenged in different ways, in different languages, I, uh, yeah, I made being a 250-pound feminist uh, part of my wedding vows. So it's, uh, it's literally in the books and uh, written in stone. So. <laughs> I don't know if that's really
1: <laughs> correct answer. Written in stone like Moses in the it's That's so funny. It's all I see. When someone says written in stone. Um, yeah, that, that's really sweet. And, uh, you know, to tell you the truth, just for your own, kind of just to be fair to you, um, I didn't identify with being a feminist until I was explained that I was one. And because um, there was, there is still, but of course in the last 20 years there's been so much change, but there was so much negative uh, stereotypes and stigma on the word feminist, um, and I wanted power. <laughs> so where's the power? Oh, that's with the men. I could be one of the boys pretty easy, and yeah. uh, and be like, oh, why are those women complaining? Just work harder. You know, I, I can see where the conservative women get in, and then and then I went into the real world, <laughs> and uh, the amount of sexual harassment. And, and harassment and and uh you know uh, I just experienced as this young young woman, uh, I was like, "Oh my God, <laughs> this is nuts um, so uh, again, going back to what you said about experience, right, and I think this is why right now um, uh, listening to the experiences of uh, people of color is so important right now, we have different focuses in our in our evolution, and I do believe we are evolving as, as, as a society, not always linear, of course, but, you know, uh, thinking back, and as you know, Justin, I've been digging into my ancestral history and, and owning um, the, the violent history that is uh, Newfoundland, uh, particularly with indigenous people on in the Beothic, who we committed vast genocide with. Um, and I just think that, um, Listening to the experiences allows us to humanize one another. Absolutely. And, and that's what's so important. Uh, and it reminds me of your, your definition of feminism, or one of the ones you've said. Uh, so I'll just throw it to you. Like, what is feminism to you?
2: What is feminism? Yeah. But my mind is blank, and I really had a good, uh, I'll a good definition. I'll tell you what
1: you said. I know it's kind of yeah. hard. Yeah, because my mind is also going blank. I I blame it on the pandemic and my massive anxiety. We can also blame it on uh, our massive to-do list. Uh, like right now, okay. we're just waiting for scaffolding to show up at the house. And so I can go pick up paint and we can do the trimming and of all that stuff to get the house ready to sell or rent. So a few things on the go. So you were totally off the hook, but uh, what does it you say? Um, feminism is telling your story and your story mattering.
2: Totally. Yes. And, and, you know, you said something interesting about you know when you identified as a feminist, and it's so funny that uh, you know the conservative or, or the patriarchy will uh, will try to say it's just about you know pulling up your bootstraps and working harder. Well, If anybody's ever spent any time in the real world, or office environments, or in the field, incompetence runs the world, oh, and the hard work does not necessarily mean you're going to climb a ladder. It, <laughs> A hundred percent has to do with the color of your skin. It has to do with your big, your BDE. You know what I mean? Like if you think that you are the man and you want to go out or, and I'm saying man, because it is, it's what it's been. It's been pushed that way. If you can be one of the boys, one of the dudes, you will climb a ladder because it's not based on the work you do. It's based on how you get along with people and fit into that boys' club that the patriarchy created. And I've been a direct, I've I've it's benefited me like a hundred percent. But I I do I mean far from perfect, but I I stand up and I push back in every area that I can to the point, well, you've heard my stories of coming home being like, Oh, I got into it this guy and got into it this guy, saying that. You Know female engineers had it better than male engineers, and I'm just like,
1: oh my god, <laughs> yeah, um, okay. Uh, first of all, you said BDE, and just for the listeners, I want to let people know what that is. What is that?
2: Uh, big dick energy,
1: yeah, yeah, you get your BDE you show up, it's confidence, it's almost cockiness, but like there's a confidence to it. Um, and so, why do you think? having been in the boys' club and a member of the boys' club, and because you are a big dude, um, you get accepted into boys' clubs um, easier than if you had more kinds of uh, non-traditional masculine uh, attributes. And I've I've seen I've I've seen, like, even my guy friends accept you so easily. (laughs) And it's it's amazing to watch. Um, But why do you think... That uh, those guys uh, that you've had, I mean, it, you've been like the boss, you've been like project manager and had to tell people like, we don't talk like this. We don't use the F-A-G word. We don't, we don't use a sexist language. Why do you think in 2020 we're still dealing with this? Why do those individual men say those things? Because they usually say it in a group of men. Right, mm-hmm. because the workforce is not yet diversified at all in construction and project management. No, no. Uh, so so why what 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 is the purpose? Where does it come from when an idiot says something inappropriate or or sexist or totally out the lunch? Like, sure, f- female engineers got it way easier than male engineers now. Some hard being a white man. Like, where does that come from? What is that about?
2: Uh, it's not a simple. Uh, it's not a simple one answer. I think it, it stems from toxic masculinity and that flows into an insecurity and then we've created such a a culture of pack mentality that you're able to it's sort of like going to a comedy show and having toilet jokes do you know what I mean like cheap laughs but no substance so when when these men are in the field and and you're able to put down somebody that's lower than you and it gets a laugh or a chuckle that that's, that's, that makes you feel like you're a step in makes you feel like you had that camaraderie, whether it's not based on education, it's not based on salary on pay structure on hierarchy, but based on like stepping on somebody else. And it is the culture. It is the culture. And I'll push back on anybody who says it's not because I've been there and I witnessed it. Um, how I've been accepted is I, uh, by like, it's about, I'm me. I am who I am. And, And I am blessed with size and, you know, somewhat of an intelligent mind. But I'm also blessed with that confidence of Halloween in the office, I'll be the one, I'll be the one guy who cross dresses and who will cross dress just for fun. Like, that does not affect me. Like, somebody calling me, like, when pushing back or making like, feminine jokes towards me to me that's not putting me down and they see that and I push back on that and 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 it does take confidence because going with the flow and and being a misogynist and being an idiot man is easy Mm. pushing back Mm. standing up for what's right is hard Mm. and I say hard from a very privileged point of view I say hard from a you know a whiny white boy in his second story of his house talking on a computer. Like I'm very, very blessed. But, you know, when you're in a group mentality and there's people and these are the people that you're with, you know, sometimes more than your family, when you're in the field and you're traveling, if you don't feel that you're accepted in that family, life's very hard. Like, yeah. it's not easy. It's 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 very difficult. And, and I mean, some people don't take kindly to me. Some people don't like my attitude about like, no, 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 we don't say that here. We don't talk like that. No, that's a racist, stupid thing to say. And I don't put up with it. And some people don't appreciate it. Some people think that I'm an idiot for calling them out or, you know, won't invite me to a party or I don't get to... Uh, you know, be with the dudes. And that, to me, that's fine. Cause I do not associate with assholes, excuse the language.
1: <laughs> well, there are some of your friends that you don't want me to be around. So that, is, that is a suspicious thing there. But again, I think that if you had a zero asshole rule, you would have no friends. Well, Jeff, (laughs) you know, Jeff is a a solid, uh, dude. Uh, but, uh, I think that what you just said is being an idiot man is easy Mm -hmm. and doing the right thing is hard. And, 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 and totally, I get that. And, and, um, uh, you know, I I can see it from my perspective of like when racist stuff comes up, um, uh, it's uncomfortable. Like I have to say it cause that's just my personality. Like I, the words are out of my mouth before I can even, um, ba- uh, figure out if I'm going to say something sometimes just because I've already made the decision to stand up. I think it's a past life thing. I'm not sure. But, um, what I find interesting is what you talked about, insecurities. And that has been my experience. And as you know, Justin, I've been in uh, many male-dominated fields. I've mm-hmm. been the first woman in various positions. I was in, often the only woman in the room for, like, very high-level meetings at, at all kinds well, of different levels. you're an level. absolute rock star. <laughs> Thank you. But I got to watch. And I'm like an anthropologist, right? I'm just constantly mm-hmm. taking in the data. And um, what I got to see, and I got to see in the construction side and the academic side and the, and the government side and, you know, oil and gas side... Um, I got to see that it was really insecurity and it was really needing that tribe and wanting that tribe. And one of the ways that you can ensure you're, um, uh, you're, that you're part of a group is to put someone else on the outside of that group. Totally. Right? So it's like, hey, you know, Bitches, hey, bitches be crazy, hey, you know, uh, uh, uh. women be shopping, you know, like, there's all these things, and, like, men are like, I know, and, like, don't get me wrong, I think that we are, on the other side, women are finally being able to kind of um, more fully complain about our uh, 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 male partners, people who are heterosexual, at least, uh, because it wasn't necessarily safe to do that before. But uh, I do think that uh, it's, not, it's not, you mentioned the, uh, the toilet humor at a um, comedy club, air. but the toilet humor in the cl- comedy club uh, maintains and perpetuates toilet humor. The jokes and the snide remarks maintain and perpetuate the patriarchy and the white Absolutely. supremacists. So like, the, it's, not, it's not just a one-off, it's not just for the laugh, it is also to secure your place and to perpetuate the system yeah. that keeps other people down so you can have a little step up. So, uh, thank you for that lovely conversation. This is fun. We should do this more. It's so,
2: one, one, one thing, Sweden right Trump. Yeah, yeah, I, was, I was just thinking about, um, you know, good friends. And, and there is a lot of 80 men, but I do now. I've surrounded myself with, like, it's Jeff, it's Perry, Matt, Sebastian. Like, there is a couple good men that I've been able to find that, that I would bring into my network Were they are know da- you. Those are
1: dads of girls.
2: Those are dads Besides of
1: girls. Besides Perry, dads of girls.
2: Because, yeah, family. that's a... Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, so but, no, you know, I, I, That
2: goes to say something, you know, like it's, it's the transition of fatherhood of, I mean, you, once you have a little girl and you like, I mean, I was before I even had Violet. I was, I don't put up with that crap because I can only imagine, but now oh, burn it down.
1: Mm. Burn what down?
2: The system, patriarchy, the, the system that is going to, tell my wife that she can't do this because she's a woman or that her value at home, it doesn't hold the same value as an investment banker. Like it's, it's absolutely ludicrous. ludicrous. <laughs> Crazy.
1: <laughs> uh, you talked a little bit about uh, being a dad and how that's changed you. So uh, you identify with the kind of um, category of being a feminist father. Absolutely. Uh, so what does what does that look like? What does that mean to you?
2: I think being a feminist dad is being a full dad, like not just, you know, not just playing the games and wrestling as your quote-unquote male role models would look like, but it's about crying in front of her. It's about opening up and talking to her about her feelings. It's about just just being that masculine and feminine to her, you know, like she doesn't have to go to mommy for just all the feminine and daddy for all the masculine, like mommy can handle masculine and feminine. Daddy can handle masculine and feminine. It's about showing her that, that just not limited beliefs, not limited structures and allowing her to have her voice. And whether that's, you know, liking girls or liking boys or not liking anything, wanting to be a puppy. There's whatever it is. I think it's supporting and backing her on that Mm. and being vulnerable enough to do that, to Mm -hmm. wear a butterfly on your forehead and do a walk because, well, it's face painting day or I don't know. I think 90% of my shirts that I wear have some sort of giant picture of my daughter and, or words describing.
1: What's, What's the one you got on today?
2: Violet's proud daddy. <laughs> uh,
1: yes, those are the things. Justin never asks for anything. Uh, he is so hard to shop for every occasion. So I get him shirts uh, that have such things on them, um, and he loves them.
2: <laughs> it's just what I want. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, that's that's cool. Uh, I was thinking about, and you and I have, are obviously. Uh, Feminist parenting. And uh, there's a couple different ways that that kind of um, manifests. And one is like trying to not do the top down uh, domination paradigm. Right. And it's like, of course, we're the bosses, we're the parents, we're adults. But like you said, like her thoughts and feelings matter. Mm. And like that, I, I, I don't think you necessarily felt that in your house growing up. I certainly uh, was told that my thoughts and feelings didn't matter in, in my house. And I think that was really common part of parenting then. It was like, totally. you know, it was like, listen, child, you're going to cry or whatever over anything. And like, there was just not any credence or, or value put on um, uh, real time experiences. And so I think that's something we try to, uh, you know, like, 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 you know, when she's upset. Um. Uh, to to uh, honor that anger, and honor, and, and then like I feel like we always grow uh, more as a family. Or the if it's between you or her, you're her, me and her. The connection gets deeper. Absolutely. You know, with that. But then there's also the uh, the piece of um, trying to not even though we are uh, people living in this society and I have gendered thoughts, you have gendered thoughts, uh, I think, I know we would both agree that everybody's sexist, everybody's racist. Like this is just, this is literal, like the language we're using doesn't even, we don't even understand sometimes. Mm, and right. um, so uh, I find myself, um, or, or I actually have to stop myself from like stopping her, when she's doing kind of a little bit dangerous things. I'll have to be like, oh, do I want it, me, I was like, I don't want her to hurt herself, but I often think if she was a boy, I would be encouraging her on that uh, thing to climb and not so worried about his safety. So I want to have some kind of egalitarian where I was told, uh, I was made afraid of my own body, And and I think it was literally my mother trying to keep me safe, but um, it was, I didn't understand the power of my body until I became an adult and started training. I didn't realize how cool it was to feel powerful until I, uh, like 18 or 19, when I discovered a gym. Uh, So, you know, I think that's something um, that we both try to do with feminist parenting. Can you think of any other example of where, you know, you consciously make the decision to, uh, to try to be a more egalitarian uh, father.
2: Yeah, very similar to what you said. Like, our belief is, I, like, I let her do whatever she wants when it comes to outdoors or physical or even what some people would consider a little bit dangerous or a little bit, like, risky, say, like a mountain climber or going on cliffs. Or... But my rule is, is that I don't help her up. Mm -hmm. Right. If she can't climb something on her own, if she can't reach that branch of the tree, that's obviously too high and too dangerous for her to climb. Then she can't climb it. So that's sort of like, I leave it to her growth and to her ability to reach something, to, to have a goal and achieve it. And, and I'm there. I'm, I have my, you know, I'm right behind her. I'm supporting her. I'll help her with like where to place her feet or any questions, but I'm very strict on if you can't climb up the side of this hill without help, that means you're not big enough to climb up the side of the hill. Now, whether that's running down or going up or whatever, but I I just, I allow her to dictate and I don't set limits, you know, besides bedtime and that sort of thing. But I, I, I allow her to just be her, her powerhouse, who she is and, and gain that confidence and run those drills and run back and forth on the sidewalk. Or I I think that's, or even, you know, outside of physical, but, but the mental and emotional, you know, when she wants to talk about a dream or when she wants to talk about her feelings or if she needs space, I'll do my best to create space as long as it's not hurting her.
1: Mm Yeah. Yeah. I just want to make sure, uh, yes, we do set limits. (laughs) Well, yes. Uh, The healthy boundaries uh, expert over here. Uh, But um, the limits of, you know, we we try not to say you can't do that. Absolutely. Is that limits that, uh, uh, yeah, you were saying. Um, What do you think is difficult or hard about being a feminist father?
2: (laughs) Boy, you know, I think... I I don't know any other way to be than a feminist dad. So I would just say that parenting in general is just a challenge, Mm. and the the path and the direction that you choose to raise your children is is each individual's own purpose. But I wouldn't. I don't think being a feminist parenting adds any more stresses or restraints to how I do it. Now it opens my mind and my perspective on the world and brings more fear and more anxiety because I see the complete and utter debacle, like just a show, if I may, of of how society is still handling like femicide is real. You know, like women are gonna chances they're gonna be killed by a partner or a former lover. Like I'm sending I'm growing I'm raising a daughter to go out into this world. I wouldn't change any way that i raise her but being a feminist parent has opened and continuously opened my eyes to the the hard times that that are ahead for young girls in the society now it's obviously like you mentioned in the beginning it's better than it was 20 years ago it's better than it was 80 years ago and but but we're still it's still there It's changed a little bit. It's more behind closed doors, and we put it in a veil of "Oh, look, you have, you know, you have a job. Why are you complaining?" But if you look, like, imagine being a black woman trying to give birth and having two. Venus
1: Williams. We didn't listen to Venus Williams. Uh, Yeah. One of the richest, Uh, most powerful, famous. (laughs) Sorry, that really gets me.
2: But but it is so. I, your question, um, being a feminist dad, um, I think is no harder than any type of other parenting because it's our life. It's my lifestyle that that we. I don't go outside like we raise Violet. How how we live. And speaking of,
1: oh uh, hello. <laughs> I guess I guess that's the baby's giving up. Hi, Violet. Yeah. Get her to talk into the mic.
2: If you want to talk into the mic and be on the podcast?
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah, thanks. Like, I have like a feeling. Oh, <laughs> She's just saw me. She's I
2: seen
1: that It, it was picture. you. And... Oh. <laughs> that's why <funny.
0: He's>
1: <laughs> Right now, she might go back to TV. Uh, okay. Um, that, that's funny. It's funny because I, I wonder, and I fantasize, and a lot of feminists are like this, of um, would it be easier if we were ignorant? You know, just uh, yeah, the knowing. <laughs> Hello, Violet. <laughs> What's going on, girlfriend? Oh. We're just, Hi. Uh, we were just talking on the podcast. Uh, did you want to say something? Just what do you want to say? Hi, Daddy.
2: Hi, big girl. How so are you? It's,
1: it's, oh, can I bring no, you? No, I need one too. Thank you. Mama needs um, to hear too. Uh, what uh, We got Father's Day coming up. What do we want to say for Daddy? I want to give you a Christmas present. A Christmas
2: present for, for Father's, Father's Day? Father's Day? That sounds wonderful.
1: Mmm. I don't think it may be Christmas. Maybe we'll get him a Father's Day something. Okay. Okay. And maybe make him breakfast in bed. Okay. What do you for breakfast, Daddy? Mmm.
2: Good question. I would say pancakes with uh, coconut whipped cream.
1: Ooh. Ooh, ooh oh my god and blueberries okay excellent yeah all right thanks so much girl would you mind going downstairs okay what is it let mommy finish this with daddy and then i'll see right to you okay we'll be right down bye Bye. (laughs) um uh, i was remembering uh when you were talking about like just the fear and stuff of uh having a g-i-r-l are you going baby all right Podcast listeners, I'm going to spell some things. She's not into the spelling yet. She's only four. So, when I found out uh, from the uh, doctor that we were having a GIRL, which is what I thought uh, anyway, in my intuition, I remember um, that day so clearly, uh, or maybe it was the day after, because it was really settling in, um, because you had had kind of uh, stories about idiots in your office. And these were all, these were all high engineers right that you were dealing with for the most part and just like the misogyny of one guy in particular uh that I could think of and then found out we were having a girl and I remember uh I was in uh yoga I had yoga at lunch at my work and um I was in yoga and I was in the pigeon pose and I just started to ball because I was having a girl uh and I was so excited to have a girl but I just cried and grieved and mourned For all and the threats and the violence and the fear and the anxiety and the trauma, she would have to endure Mm -hmm. and survive uh, because of her uh, XX chromosomes. Because she was a girl. Because you know uh, she was female. And and it it was it was a lot.
2: Of course, it was.
1: Yeah. It's uh, to just to, to think, and because uh, it is it is hard. It's it's special and beautiful, and I can see such a difference, and maybe you can too, in your in the your your friends, the male friends that you've had throughout the years, and when they when they do become fathers to daughters. Mm. Um, but you know what we really need is we need feminist fathers to boys. Absolutely. Right. How do you think we could uh, increase that kind of ideology and practice and parenting uh, to boys?
2: I mean, it just goes back. Don't be raising assholes. Like, teach your kids not to rape. Teach your kids the boundaries. Like, these are not difficult scenarios. Like, we're teaching our daughter that. The fact that boys will be boys, boys will be rapists if you put up with that. Well, and
1: that's it. I, I, cursing. My apologies. My apologies. Yeah. Oh, See you, Jimmer.
2: Uh, all right. Apologies. Um, yeah. Um, no, I think that's that's it. Like, we need to have a standard on on what's acceptable, and right now we don't have that. We have what's acceptable is the status quo, and that is creating a society of racist, misogynistic, um, not nice men. I mean, and obviously, listen. There's great. There's there are great men out there. There's people that are pushing back. I do. I do feel change. I do feel wokeness in in not just uh, you know the racism aspect of things, but in the uh, in the in the push towards equality with men and women. But that's still so. It's still so far back. I feel like even from the racist point that. Women is still, I feel. I feel like it's behind even that, because it's just it's it's that steady across color, race, um, where everything it's you know there's men and women, and fifty percent of the population is still not being treated anywhere closely to the way they should be treated, and that's how we raise our little boys because those little boys become the leaders, um, and a lot of times not because of. What they're able to accomplish or what they've achieved in their life, but because of who their dad is,
1: honestly, and that's
2: and that is a scary, scary place to be if you're a
1: woman. Yeah, yeah, no, it is, it is absolutely true, and uh, you know uh, I don't like comparing victimhood or um, different kinds of discrimination, but it is an indication or an illustration if we want to look at uh, who's who's been able to get be president. Yeah, of, of the U S right. And I think about, uh, in, in, uh, university, you know, sitting around with my friends, a couple, uh, one who was American and we were talking about, what do we think will happen first? a black president or a woman president? And I have a lot of feminist friends and, and all of my male friends were feminists. So we were like, Oh, definitely a woman president. America's way too racist. And then, uh, and then it was like, Oh no, Obama does get in and Hillary doesn't. Now, she did get yeah. the popular vote electoral college, all that stuff. However, uh, I thought that was an indicator it was like, whoa, like that is a real kind of line in the sand of like how far we have yet to go. If, if the misogyny is, is, uh, is even more stronger than at least in that particular case, um, the racism, but let's let us, let's use this opportunity and we'll, we'll close off the, the pod talking about our experience. And of course, we are feminist parents, uh, to an amazing warrior, Violet daughter. Um, but this is who we were before we were parents. And, um, and the last pod I mentioned how we were in New York, uh, when it came down that, uh, the officers who murdered Eric Garner were not going to be charged and got off scot-free. That was in December, 2014. Uh, we were there and, um, uh, I just want to tell listeners a little bit about that, so i 'll just start off and then get your uh, experience. You chime in whenever you'd like. Cool. Oh,
2: that sounds great.
1: So we were down uh, for like a pleasure trip. I had a work trip in Ottawa, and I was like, "Hey, meet me in New York and um, uh, non parents uh, non parents <laughs> dual income, hardly any expenses. with a teeny tiny house um, and uh, uh, we, we had been following, um, mostly through Democracy Now! and other, uh, other news outlets, uh, non-mainstream news outlets, the uh, n- murder after murder after murder of um, a person of color, usually a black man, um, being murdered by police, usually. Um, and, and you and I would talk about it a lot, and talk about how you know, we wanted to help and, and do something, and um, how this white supremacist crap was really insane, and uh, how, like, these people's diet lives matter? didn't matter. Like, the Black Lives Matter, that word matter, keeps coming up, because it's like, what does matter? Mm-hmm. And it was, we were demonstrated to us, these white people in Newfoundland, Canada, that, no, it did not matter, because no matter how many people were, were screaming about it, talking about it, it was, oh, oh well, uh, he, uh, he was laid out his taxes, or, like, they would always make up these insane kinds of things to vilify the victim, and yeah. that was infuriating. So anyway, we were very, very into it, had very many passionate conversations, were posting about it all the time, reading about it all the time, talked to anyone uh, that would listen. I remember just the other day, we were talking about how much you would talk about it in your office and how we were surprised they didn't let you go. Remember we said that? Yeah. (laughs) I can't believe you kept your job. I was like, I can't believe you did either, which is, I think, indicative of white supremacy. But, uh, and then we were in New York. And I think we were actually at like a musical or something when the actual indictment happened. And Lady Gaga was, um, uh, I think, doing something for the Rockefeller uh, tree. Anyway, protesters happened because it just literally came up in everyone's phones just kind of in the instant. And uh, protesters got kettled, which means they were trapped, all that stuff. But we knew uh, that the next night was going to be even bigger because, you know, People would have had the time to sit with it all day, and we really wanted to participate in the protests. And in my memory, you had had you were you were getting woke. You were in your spiritual uh, justice awakening, and you were starting to see how angry you should be at, at looking at injustices. And I was afraid uh, that that anger was going to go loose, and then you would be arrested, and we would never be able to go to the United States anymore. <laughs> Oh darn! <laughs> a lot of our listeners are American. Uh, sorry, sorry. Uh, but now, I mean, of course, with the with the raging pandemic, it's it's a bit different. Uh, the race so, wars. So I'll I'll throw it to you now. What do you remember? Um...
2: Yeah, very similar. Um, th- the lead up, you know, and right from Zuberman getting off or killing Trayvon Martin, you yep. know, kid, and and you just felt that the rage of, Oh my God, like black lives don't matter. Like you're killing them. And then, you know, that was actually, that was the last video I've ever watched was having Eric Gardner being choked out because of cigarettes. And I still, I don't watch, I don't watch when things go on through the internet or viral people being killed or shot or black. I don't watch it. I've never watched it. I, I won't, I won't. Um, I won't be part of it. Yeah, bring it back. And um, yeah, I remember being out, and uh, the next night um, picking up the the snow globe for you at, at a museum,
0: oh, yeah. and
2: uh, talking to uh, to the designer of the snow globe, who was there. Actually, it was quite interesting. And hearing things in the distance, and then literally running back to the apartment, being like, "This is happening." I want to go. I need to be a part of this. And you were just like, oh. you were hesitant, but I was pretty adamant on, we got to go. And you wanted to go. You just didn't want me to get arrested. And you were very right. Because-
1: What we did went I say? Do you remember what I said to you?
2: Yeah. When I when I say it's time to go, it's time to go.
1: No and fighting me.
2: No fighting and uh, yeah, we, we just went and we because
1: I've been trained by labor unions uh, how to protest, how to look for cops who are uh, just trying to make a ruckus, how to where to not let yourself get kettled, right? Like this is like literal training I've had, and and, and, it, and it was it was very very necessary in those kinds of things. But yeah, uh, we we just organically there was no organization. This was before it was called Black Lives Matter. Yeah, and we just we just bunch we jumped on a bunch of subways. Until uh, we found a group of people and uh, we marched with them.
2: We marched and we shut down Times Square. We had a die in at the Holland Tunnel. Tunnel. Um, yeah. We marched f- till 2 to 3 a.m. and it was amazing. We shut, like, the Times Square was quite. Quite eye opening watching people get arrested and watching black men in suits get arrested while I stood around up to the cops. Yeah. And was like, You call this serving and protecting? And then all you hear in our videos is a zip tie, zip tie, zip tie, mass arrests. And you pull me out. And
1: well, because you were you in, a in a cop's face, right? Like, this go. was the thing. I, and that's what I was so shocked by. So we were, I felt so safe. I felt so energized. I felt so, so like, just, just happy to be able to put my body on the line for something that I believed in so much yeah yeah. and um and just like the all the different colors and you could just look around because it was so organic there was no like okay everybody we're gonna meet no it was literally people leaving Mm -hmm. their their houses uh because they see a mass of people walking they're like yeah frick this like I gotta do this for sure um and uh, just, the, just the smiles on people's faces because we were doing something together and we were angry together in this kind of concerted effort was, was uh, uh, healing in, in yes, some ways. Yes. I was like, okay, especially us being isolated where we are, where we're screaming about these issues and then we're just annoying the hell out of everyone we know. Um, yeah. And here it was like a real kind of like, oh my God, we can actually do something. Um, but uh, the, the chance, what's the one chant that you remember?
2: Oh, how do racist?
1: <laughs> NYPD. And at the time, we were like, oh, oh, right? But if you look at the actual data, yeah, yeah, uh, definitely mm. racial profiling, definitely a, a, yeah. way too many people have been hurt and killed. Um, but uh, uh, if you remember, I specifically remember seeing the cops, and they're in full riot gear, right? And yeah. um, there was way more of us than there was of them. And the standoff in Times Square, like, because it was, it was a lot. It was a lot. Was and a everyone's lot. got their phones out, and everyone's, like, one that just, the whole world is watching. The whole, the whole world, is watching. world is watching. And you can see school buses lined up down the road just to arrest protesters, right? Yeah. We didn't really, I don't even know if we knew that at the time. And, uh, and so there was a standoff in Times Square. No cars can get through. It's filled with just the protesters. And, uh, uh, I remember looking at the eyes of the NYPD officers who were afraid of course we to see the fear in their eyes. Mm-hmm. And, and of course they freaking were like, you can't, it, it, it you know, it's sure they got batons and other weapons and all that stuff, but like, there was a lot of us and we were loud and we were angry. Mm-hmm. So I was able to really see the kind of human side of, uh, of, of, of it, you know, because police officers are humans, they're in just in this archaic, damaging system. And, uh, and then I didn't really know what would happen, because I'd never really been in a protest standoff exactly like that, particularly not in the, in the United States. And um, there was not like there was a speaker list or anything, right. So it was just like, literally, we were just taking up space and letting up, letting the, the world know that we were not having this. And then I remember being like, totally a rat, like everyone around us were people of color and um uh there was no like okay everybody clear out or you're going to get arrested or there was no warning anything like that it was just zip 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 ties of just people all around us all the people of color around us got arrested you were like saucy in the face of nypd officers say you call this servant i protect i even have a video where i had to haul you out of the face of an nypd officer and the guy i remember very specifically uh, a black man in a three-piece suit uh, who looked like he just literally came from Wall Street, he got arrested, right? When you and I were louder and more aggressive, mm-hmm. and I was like, whoa. And there was this look from the NYPD officer at us like, guys, go home.
2: Yeah. Right? Yeah, it was. And, you know, like, it's, it's a really good... Uh, a really good analogy to even look back then. So you know people were getting arrested, but there was no no tear gas. Right,
1: yeah, I know. There was
2: there was no charging of the police. And mm-hmm. and we were there, we marched till 2, 3 a.m. in the morning. Like we shut things down. Mm. And but there was no the aggressiveness of the now listen, obviously the brutality of police is systematic. And it's been ongoing. Um, but at that time it wasn't like it was this past three months in states like there was a different feel like things have exponentially rose with tensions and it's a direct result to the leadership to the direction that the country has been going to take away these rights of these people and to say that it's okay but being a part of it and and be like you said uh, we've never felt safer In the middle of New York, in the middle of the night, no, nobody. And you're just chanting next to people. You're, you're the solidarity of, you know, uh, a person of color, a Brown an Asian look over and see a fellow, like a fellow human with white skin, you know, with their hands up chanting and screaming that this is not okay. Like we are pushing back and, uh, you know, and that, so that was 2014. Um, Zugatti Park was, when was it? Because, like, looking before at, like, them. how our, was before that. So that yeah. led into this. And then when we were in the States in 2010.
1: 2011. I think
2: working, 2010, 2011, we felt things bubbling.
1: Yeah.
2: We felt, we felt the, the Civil War and the racism, and we were in the conservative states, we were yeah. in Nevada. Nevada, we were in Arizona. Arizona, we were in New mexico, like, we were in areas where you really felt it the drugs the the opioids Desperation. Even before, the, it was heavy, so a decade later, here we are. Mm-hmm. I am not surprised mm-hmm. if no. anything i'm surprised that it's taken this long, yeah and yeah. It's, it's heartbreaking because they are our neighbors to the south. They are our closest allies on an international stage for trading and, you know, a, a flow of people. Like, we're supposed to be the leaders of the world, like Canada and the United States, and we have such a dark background of ex- exploitation. And I'm, I'm proud of our government for standing up and, you know, saying that killing off all the native americans here is has been a genocide and, yep. and you know and, and I'm proud and there's still more steps that need to be done and we're working on that and I feel as a country here in Canada far from perfect but stepping in the right direction whereas in the states they still pretend they still have leaders that are saying that there's there's everything's fine there's no racism
1: or you know, that no the economy aside. wasn't built on the backs of slaves of like slaves. that's the because I can always do the economic, even, even before I was really fully woke, you give me an economic argument, that's logical, right? But, um, you know, and also systemic, like, and, and looking at, okay, even when the uh, uh, African Americans were uh, freed, um, it was not like they were free to starve. It was not like they could get jobs of any kind of actual uh, living wage. Um, and they certainly didn't get 40 acres, like all the white people who, who were coming here voluntarily right Yeah, that's right. Um, so there was all these layers of of of, uh, of uh, African Americans you know trying to better their lives, trying to get freedom, trying to, and then uh, the white supremacists just like blocking them down like bombing tulsa and yeah. and, uh, uh, and and so like there's the there's the the bigger events like bombing Tulsa, which was the kind of the more wealthy uh, african American community uh, at the time, and then there 's the more micro events of um, police brutality, and also those pieces of crap uh, who murdered uh, Ahmed Arbery, uh, for <sighs> while he was jogging. Uh, they, they hunted him. Like, there, there, are, there was, you know, there's, there's a lot going on here. Um, and it's tied to uh, toxic masculinity,
3: right? Absolutely. Like, these are,
1: these, it's this, this tied to this gun mentality. It's tied to this protect your own, dominate. And, and I think that, uh, I, I liked your point about how it was different for us when we were in, there in 2014. Uh, there was no tear gas, and to tell you the truth, uh, I never really sa- saw any violence whatsoever. No. Uh, it was it was everything was, was 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 peaceful. And then we, as protesters, what did we do? We uh, we peeded ourselves out, right? Yeah. We chanted in, in the uh, with the helicopters and everything above, right? We we uh, we chanted until and and, and kept walking around because again, not organized no and there was like you know tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands of people and then um and then we went home to our houses yeah right and then you got to have space you got to have your voice heard you got to protest right so it's kind of um but you know the other other reality is 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 you know when things are peaceful uh uh, and you play the game things don't change
2: well that's just it right that's yeah
1: so bringing it back to being a feminist father, I, can't even, I don't even know how many protests filed it's been on at this point. I, I don't oh my know, gosh, I mean, I think there's over,
2: over a dozen for sure.
1: Yeah, like protests against budgets and uh, I think the budget mm. protest was, uh, was probably one of her first. Um, and you know, for, for bringing in more Syrian refugees for, for all kinds of things. So I, I, I do, uh, instilling a purpose in her to help other people is hugely crucial uh, to me. Um, yes. she is an empath she is one of the most empathetic kids that um, I've ever known and yes that is her nature but we have also fostered and and really curated that of like yes honey of course these are feelings and explain it um, but you know I think about uh, and I know what a force she is and um, uh, I, I, I don't ever want to put my crap on her but just like watching her and, and being able to, to teach and shape and expose her to things, including, oh, my God, if we can get to the Netherlands <laughs> and the different kind of life um, experiences uh, we can give her, uh, that's what really matters to me. What uh, Just to close things off um, and give people a little bit of hope about how, and, and, and if there's any dads out there um, who are kind of uh, wondering how can they be more egalitarian focused, more social justice focused, uh, and more of a feminist dad, what would you say to them?
2: Mm. Oh, great, uh, great question. I would say um, put away your own. Sh- okay,
1: we're going to say it again with no curse.
2: Right. Um, I would say to the dads of Dare looking to be better, is um, put away. Put away your own crap that's hindering you. Is that is that okay to say?
1: Crap's fine. What do you mean?
2: Um, don't be bogged down by the little things of trying to be accepted into a system that's already not working and broken. Like be be what your kid needs, and that is that is a confident. That is a Strong feminist dad who was able to cry, who was able to hear, who was able to listen, who was able to take criticism, and and who's able to push back. Like we need to use our privilege as men um, to make that change. Like you said, we need more feminist dads of little boys, and and that's only going to happen is if we if we have those same standards for ourselves that we would say if you're raising a little girl that you raise a little boy like that. Like you don't allow the the roughhousing or the taking because that's where it starts. It starts when they're kids about what's accepted and about what's okay and what boundaries you put on them. And dads need to realize that it's okay if your little boy wants to wear a dress or... Cry. put on, Or cry or put on makeup or just be emotional. Like it doesn't mean anything, but the fact that they're being in touch with themselves... And, I mean, I'd wear more lipstick or makeup, but I just can't have cream anywhere near me, so.
1: People listening to this are gonna think, you, you've already said you cross dress for fun, uh, which is fun. Sure, hold on one call yeah, this, really really on. uh, this is. Uh, yeah! He's exaggerating a little bit. Uh, it probably means more gender bending is what uh, Justin likes of. Um,
2: Give me a few minutes and I'll take you okay? <laughs> I know,
1: I know. Uh, yeah. So, the kids right. are out. The kids are out. All right, we got to get going. But anyway, one of the things I do love about you is your kind of wanting to embrace and gender bend. Um, and I think that is you being non-toxic in your masculinity and wanting to open up to your femininity. And the times that you do do it, like on Halloween or um, uh, playing with Violet or, you know, um, when we get you down to put face paint on you or do your nails. I do notice that you do like to keep it on. And I, and I feel like sometimes that's one of your kind of resistance, you know, like you go out in public with a giant butterfly that I drew on your forehead at a face paint. uh, And I'll ask you, do you want me to wipe that off? And you're like, no, (laughs) I love that about you. And I think that's kind of like what we need to do is like those little subtle things with, uh, the kind of more concerted effort of, of, of being egalitarian and not limiting girls and encouraging them mm-hmm. in power is also just like leading by example is one of the best ways to lead at all. At it's the all.
2: only way to lead. It's the only way to lead. If you, can't, if you can't walk in the footsteps that you're telling people to walk, you're not a leader.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, no I'm, I'm with you. Um, and uh, uh, really f- part, parenthood is leadership. honestly that's really what it is um and uh i'm really grateful that i get to do the parent thing with you um and uh the fun we have not that we're perfect and we certainly do argue uh and usually it's over miscommunication um but we should have hunger or hangry (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's true uh and uh uh i would love for us to have you back on and we could talk maybe about having a feminist relationship and some of the things that uh we've grown uh past and grown through uh, i think could help a lot of people because again leading by example right sometimes if you see it you can be it and uh it certainly hasn't been easy for us and so we've had a lot of unlearning and reprogramming and you've had to acknowledge your male privilege on a couple of occasions and, um, yeah, no, it's, it's something that, like, learning from each other, I think, is the really powerful stuff. So thank you, thank you for uh, being on the podcast. Thank you for talking about being a feminist father. And here's to creating a better world where uh, boys and girls can be their true selves and without fear of repercussion or violence or um, anything else that could ever hinder the bright light that's inside them. Uh-huh.
2: Amazing. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been an honor and a pleasure. And uh, whenever you'd like me to come back on, you just let me know and I will uh, schedule it in.
1: Yay. Let's hear it for more feminist fathers, more feminist parenting, uh, more egalitarian, supportive, empowering decision-making for, for kids and parents and uh, and all of that stuff. That's the world we are moving towards. Hey, strong women and friends of strong women. Okay, so now for the featured song. Now, this song is a special song for us but and particularly for Justin. Um, it is Macklemore with Ryan Lewis featuring Ed Sheeran. It's called Growing Up, and uh, its lyrics are particularly beautiful. And, there, and this song came out um, when Violet was like a couple of months away, maybe like even less. And so there's like literally even um, the the hook is like I'll, I'll be patient one more month, and then you'll wrap your fingers around my thumb. There's all kinds of gorgeous little sweet lines that uh, still bring a tear to my eye when I listen to them. Um, but besides that, it's a really cool like you know uh, he talks about uh, you know, just the, the difference in, in genders and, um, uh, just really good advice. Um, that's beyond the kind of, uh, usual traditional fatherly advice. It's more of a, it's more of a feminist dad feel for for real. So, uh, we'll put that on and, uh, happy Father's Day to all the, the feminist dads, all the loving dads, all the, the dads out there, uh, doing their best. And, um, a special happy father's day to, uh, the fathers who keep trying and growing, uh, and, and kind of realizing, uh, and unlearning the, the toxic masculinity and unlearning, uh, what the patriarchy has taught them they're supposed to be. I see a huge opening, a blossoming. My heart grows all the time, uh, particularly around dads. And if there's, um, Any good that can come of all of this upset and uh, change and chaos is that there is more fathers who've been more exposed to their kids now than, I don't even know, maybe nothing in the industrialized world. So we are in a great place uh, to grow and be better and and love more fiercely than ever. So happy Father's Day, y'all. Take it away, Macklemore.
3: they say boys don't cry but your dad has shed a lot of tears they say i should be a strong man but baby i'm still filled with fear sometimes i don't know who i am sometimes i question why i'm here i just want to be a good dad will i be i have no idea they say girls shouldn't be tough and mom should raise the kids at home but baby, I know that that isn't true Cause your mama's the toughest person I know I wanna raise you to be like her And watch you show the world how to do it on your own I'm still trying to figure out who I am I don't wanna mess this up or do this wrong I'm gonna be there for your first breath I don't know if I'll be there for your first step I could promise you that I'll try to work less, but the tour's routed, and I got this album put in so many hours, and I just want the outcome to be something that I can look back and I can be proud of. Don't want to be a dad that's living in FaceTime, but I got a world to sing to and you at the same time. I won't spoil you. You can trust that. For your sweet 16, you get a bus pass. Had your heart broken, been there, done that. I love you and I can't give you enough of that. Get back to community that raised you up. Read Langston Hughes, I suggest a raisin in the sun. Listen to Sam Cooke, a change gon' come. You put the work in, don't worry about the praise, my love. Don't try to change the world, find something that you love. And do it every day. Do that for the rest of your life. And eventually the world will change.
0: I'll be patient one more month, you wrap your fingers on my phone, times are changing I know, but who am I if I'm the person you become if I'm still growing up?
3: that you read the alchemist listen to your teachers but cheat in calculus tell the truth regardless of the consequence and every day give your mama a compliment take your girl to the prom, but don't get too drunk hanging out the limo slow dance with your woman in your arms sneak her in after but boy you better tiptoe don't wake your mama do yoga learn about karma find god but leave the dogma Way to happiness, learning to be selfless. Ask more questions, talk about yourself less. Study David Bowie, James Ball and Tupac. Watch the sunset with best friends from a rooftop. Wear a helmet. Don't be stupid. Jaywalk, but look before you do it. If it snows, go outside, build a jump, get some help, get a sled, thrash the hill with your friends till it melts. Go to festivals, camp, fall in love and dance. You're only young once, my loved one. This is your chance. Take risks. Cause light moves so fast, you're only young once, my loved one, this is your chance. I'll
0: be patient one on more month, you wrap your fingers around my thumb. times are changing I know, but who am I if I'm the person you become if I'm still growing up?